hey, glad you could make it. Oh, I'm so excited to show you my new immersive D&D experience. Oh, yeah, yeah. You've been talking about this for a while, and I really want to see it. Is it like, you know, one of those purpose-built rooms with all the D&D stuff on the walls? No, 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 no. It's so, so much better than that. Oh, well, is it is it one of those digital tabletops where the map has the fog of war and stuff like that? Ah, that's child's play. This is this is like so much better. Really? Well, is it a is it a VR experience where all the players in the DM are wearing VR headsets and you interact with each other through VR? No, 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 no. Here, come, come look at this. Come look at this. It it it, it looks like you just dug up your floor and got rid of all the chairs. Yes, that's this gets us in the mindset of what it's like to really be our characters, you know, like in the dirt, nowhere to sit. This is like truly immersive. I hate this. This time on Becoming DM, we're talking about building digital tables for your in-person gaming experiences or something like that. Hey everyone, this is John. And this is Danielle. And we're doing something a little bit different than we have done on really any of the other episodes that we've done before. Uh, Usually we have some sort of plan, some sort of idea of where the conversation is going to go. But uh, after recording our last episode, Danielle and I got to talking and, and she was really interested in the in the table that I had made for my game and had a bunch of questions. And so we said, well, hey, let's just make an episode out of that. We won't have a plan. We'll just have a conversation back and forth about like what it took to, to do this and go from there. So uh, without much further uh, delay, I will hand it over to Danielle, who is the MC for this conversation. Ooh, I think this is my first time being MC. Yeah, power. Uh, I was going to say, I think I was supposed to lead with a joke, but I, I wasn't ready for that. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I am. I've always been curious about, uh, I, I see a lot of these tables kind of cropping up on the internet. And I've always been very curious about it because, in my opinion, they look super nice. But sometimes I find um, either I'm just not confident in how to use it or or how good it would actually be, or if all these, like, in my mind, sometimes, like, everybody's jumping on this train, and everybody's got these TVs in their tables now, but nobody's saying, like, the big secret of, like, eh, it's all right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so so I would say, for for those of you who are uh, maybe unsure of what we're talking about, we'll put pictures along with the the episode page of this, so it should be uh, becomingdm.com slash EP71. Um, so if you want to see what we're talking about, I'll post pictures of of, uh, of my table and kind of the progression that it's made that we'll talk about today. Perfect. So I guess my first question, and I think the first thing we should cover, is can you describe your table to us? And then we'll get an audio description of it as well. Yeah. So um, basically what this is, is um, a a table, I'll, I'll do it really simple first off, and then we can get into the details as we go. Basically, it's a table with a big hole in the middle, and in place of that hole, there's a TV. 
And so um, when you're playing, you can do things like play, put maps on there. If you have uh, clues or, or things like that, you can share them with the with the players through that table. Um, so it just it's it's another way to interact with the players. And because it's a TV, because it's digital, you can do a lot of things on it that maybe you can't with a with a pre-planned paper map um, like like things like Fog of War. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. So then uh, my first like couple of questions, I want them to be like mechanical type questions. Mm-hmm. First off, I don't know, maybe you're more technologically inclined than I am, but is it okay for a TV to like just be flat all the time? Um, so the the thing that a lot of people have had concern over this is um not necessarily the orientation, but the um heat because when you when you think about a TV, just pushing the light out to make your 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 picture and stuff like that, it does generate heat. So when you are when you're building something like this, that is something you have to be um, cons- you have to consider. So I've seen people that have like they build a box and like set the TV on top of the table inside a box, and I I, I do get concerned about that. The way that I built mine is it basically has two support. Um, uh, bars for lack of a better term it's two by fours that go under the table and that's what the tv sits on but the rest of it is completely open so um there there's opportunity for the heat to escape i've had i've had it run for six hour sessions and not had a problem so okay so it then it's just the the overheating thing so as long as you allow like airflow or whatever then then it's then it's like okay <laughs> yeah i, I was, like it's, it's just not a way that you see a tv really is like flat yeah i i mean the only time that really before this that i'd seen it was when microsoft came out with like they had this quote-unquote computer that was a coffee table that they called the surface and it was basically this just purpose-built and ridiculously expensive <laughs> <laughs> so expensive so now that you have a TV in the center of your table, mm-hmm. um, can you use it like a regular table? Uh, if you build it appropriately, the way that I did mine is is um, is I wanted it to be basically for this. So, um, and, and there's a lot of ways to approach it. So how how you go about the build is going to determine whether you can or cannot do that. So some people will do um, tables where the entire table surface can be completely covering the TV so that when you're not playing, you could use the table as a a table. Um, My goal when I initially built it was I want something that is that can be broken down and stored somewhere because um, I was I was literally making this from scratch. So my wife would not want to have dinner on this t- on this table. <laughs> so so I built it in a way that, that the legs could be removed, the TV could be popped out, and all of it um, at the time when I first built it would fit under the couch that we had. Uh, oh, very nice. So in between games, you never saw it, and then you time for a game, you pull it out, you put the legs back on, put the TV in, and, and you're ready to go. Okay, so... When you stick the TV into it, like, do you have like a uh, like a cover or something on your TV? Like, does does it get like scratched? Yeah. So there's a again a couple of ways to do this, and and I've done I've done both. So when I first built the TV, I had a a sheet of plexiglass that went on top of the TV, 
and and the plexiglass was supposed to be roughly flush with the edge of the table. And when I built it, I had a fairly small place, so the actual wooden part tabletop was fairly small. So I wanted people to be able to extend their workspace a little bit onto the plexiglass part and could move it when they needed to because I just didn't have enough space to make larger wood thing. So um, I use plexiglass. I will say the the challenge with using plexiglass or or any sort of thick uh, material like glass is that um, the light from the TV has to travel through that, which seeing it is not a problem. But if we're on opposite sides of the table, that light travels at a different angle. And so when you set a mini down, and we're using physical minis with our TV, if you set a mini down on top of it, it will look like it's in a different place from your perspective versus my perspective. So um, something to be aware of if you're, I mean, the the thicker the plexiglass is, the more it's gonna do that. So if if you're able to get away with something fairly fairly thin, then do that. I, I recently re like we'll say upgraded my table and I took the plexiglass out entirely and they have this on Amazon now they have this thin um, scratch resistance film so it, it's kind of like I, I equate it to like like the protective film you could put on your on your mobile phone or whatever to to protect the screen from scratches and cracks and stuff like that potentially. Um, and you just put, and it's like this gigantic sheet of film that you <laughs> adhere to the TV. Um, and I, I just got this recently. It seems to do well, but I haven't played an actual session with it yet. I've messed around with minis on top of it. It seems to do fine. I wouldn't put a lot of pressure on it because there's nothing that is going to present prevent like somebody from punching through the TV or something like that, <laughs> uh, where the plexiglass would afford you a little bit more protection there. So. A little bit less protection. I, I still feel like from a scratch perspective, it shouldn't be a problem. But uh, but just bear in mind, that's kind of the... the it, but it is super thin, so everybody kind of sees where the things are from the same sort of perspective. So it's a what's more important to you kind of thing. When, when you were getting like... Because you said you were getting like distortions with the... Well, perspective distortions with the, ple- yep. with the plexiglass. How thick of a piece of plexiglass were you actually using? I think it was like an eighth of an inch. Oh, that's not thick at all. No, no. Oh, because I, w- I was thinking, I was like, maybe if you just got a thin enough piece, but an eighth of an inch, I mean, you go much smaller than that. And Yeah. Huh. And and I'm sure that there are some, like, you could probably get some, like, glass that, that might distort it less, but then you're also putting glass on top of your TV, and there's a weight perspective on that. And there's 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 a lot of things to consider when you're, because... As you said, TVs are not naturally laying on their back like that, and then you're putting weight on top of them. Uh, the plexiglass is, is fairly light. If you go the glass route, you're putting more weight on it. So it's just something to be aware of when you're when you're building it out. Oh, for sure. And then, uh, keeping with my like mechanical theme, how did how, like how do you get power to it? Do you just run an extension cord on the ground? Yeah. So. Um, I typically will sit at the end of the table and I have my laptop there, which is running the screen. And so, um, the, 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 the power and the HDMI ports are on opposite ends of the table just because they want to be super convenient. Um, so I, (laughs) um, those, those bars that run under the TV to keep, to, to support it, I will run the, the power, uh, above those bars so they keep it from, from being, 
uh, in traffic, people's laps or whatever. And the HDMI and the power come out at basically the same spot. And I do a little bit of cable management there. So, um, and then I have it plug into the same power strip that I, uh, that I power my laptop with. I've seen some people do things with tables where they'll have a single power cord come up to the table and then they've got, and I'm considering doing this, uh, basically on the player spots, as well as on the, uh, on the DM spot, they have power outlets or, uh, or USB power. So people can plug in and stuff while they're there. Um, that's a, that's a, further down the road don't know how long uh for me but but it's an interesting <laughs> thought yeah i think i saw you comment on uh facebook on on one of those posts <laughs> yeah but uh so that being said i do see a lot of these tv posts and uh i do see the power question um relatively often uh i am a safety nut i love it <laughs> and i don't know why but <clears throat> so i'm just gonna say this just because I can, is uh, a lot of people have been asking about how to hide these cords. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's something that's worth mentioning that uh, a lot of times you can hide cords. There are ways to hide cords. Obviously, we can figure out how to hide things. Most of us are adults. and uh, But the problem with that is that uh, a lot of people don't consider that these cords do have electricity running through them and they yep. have heat. And there's a reason why there are building codes. I've seen some people where they tried to like put them under their carpet or oh under yeah i wouldn't do that <laughs> and things like that but as people step on them the the cords wear away and they actually can cause fire hazards so for anybody who is planning on doing this and who is you know wanting to hide their cable because i know i know i want to hide the cable if i ever do this that cable will not be visible i will jackhammer <laughs> the concrete out of my basement <laughs> so that i can hide this uh, this cord but there's a couple good ways to do it that I've read about. And one is to, if you're in an upstairs and you have a downstairs, to physically install an outlet underneath the table, um, which is super doable. But then you just got to make sure that a bunch of dust build up and you don't splash water on it. And uh, otherwise, you can buy specific conduit that you can run cable through that prevents it from getting this wear and tear from people like stepping on it. And highly advisable. Nobody wants to burn down anything in yeah, real life. And and so it really depends upon the room that you're in and whether this table is going to be a more permanent fixture or whether it's going to be set up for games. Um, I As I said earlier, mine is really more of a set up for games. Even with the upgrades, I plan to probably take it down in between games. So for the games, basically, I run it along the side that I know people are not going to walk through. So I t I'll sit on an end. It's usually farthest away from uh, the door. So um, people will come around the table one way or the other, and there's not really a reason for them to pass behind me. So um, I, I, while I try to keep it looking nice, I'm not as necessarily worried about making it invisible. Um, I have a I have a surge protector that plugs into the wall and then everything plugs into the surge protector and I use uh, Velcro ties to keep it from being like a cable mess. So, Oh, good, good. All right. So I think that that was like all my like mechanics-based questions because we know how to set up the TV and stuff. Uh, but, okay, so my next, my next line of questioning as the MC is, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is like... So you've got maps and stuff on there. 
right? Yep. Like I've seen, and it's like, oh, you have a map, you put your mini on it. How do you get the map onto the TV? Yeah, so there's, uh, again, lots of ways to do it, but I'll talk about what I do uh, because it's something I've done for several years. I'm familiar with it. Um, I use a software called Arkenforge, and um, Arkenforge is basically built to be an in-person tabletop software. So it's it's you can do things like take Roll20 and put it on the TV and do some weird, unnatural things to make it show what you want it to show. Um but this is really built for that in-person experience. Um, as such, when you when you launch it, you have I have my laptop and I launch it and I tell it the dimensions of my TV. And that's important because it will appropriately size the squares on the map so that they are one inch by one inch um, so that they resemble a D&D map. Uh, additionally, what it does is on the on the laptop screen, that'll be your DM view, and on the t- on the TV on the table, that's your player view. So if you do things like enable fog of war, you can clear out parts, um, but you can still see on your laptop what all is there. So you're you're clearing out the right parts, and then on the table, they'll only see whatever it is that you've revealed of the map. So um, Arkenforge is what I use to display the maps. Um, the the maps themselves uh arkenforge has a way to create maps if you want to um i i do kind of a blend i use that for some stuff and when i was getting started out doing this that was all i used i now use a tool called dungeon draft and um it's just kind of an easy way to to build some maps and then sometimes i'll just if i just don't have time i will just do a google search for battle map uh, and then some descriptors to try and see if there's somebody that's already built something out there that that's available for free that I can that I can use. Um, but as far as building the maps, that's usually one of those three ways is what I do. Oh, okay, that actually answered a lot of questions that I had because I, I like this whole time I was like, okay, so you can put a map on a TV, but then how long? How would you ever hide anything from your players? <laughs> like, yeah. Like and- just- and when I was looking at doing this, that was the big thing. And and when I when I looked at and and again when I was looking at doing this, this was several years ago. So there wasn't nearly as as many tools out there as there are now. So most of the people that were doing it were doing something like like running two accounts of Roll Twenty, and they would put the player account on the on a laptop on a. And they would use like private browsers on their laptop and put one browser on the TV and one browser on their laptop. And the laptop was DM view and the and the uh, the TV was a player account logged in. It, it's doable. Um, and if you're if you already have Roll Twenty, it's something that you can do. It's just I, I felt like like it was a little bit um, too many steps to that. And so at the time, Arkenforge was one of the few people that were kind of doing this with the with the goal of in-person in mind Hmm. well that's that's really cool i really like the fact that like you can just tell it the size of your table because that was another one that i had it's like how 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 would you ever scale this because i tried to set up like a projector (laughs) above my table at one point oh yeah and i was like oh this is gonna be so great and i had the projector set up and then i couldn't hide anything that i wanted to put on the map and and everything was just a really funny size <laughs> it was so hard to get everything like like those squares are so decent. big <laughs> i know either all my players looked super tiny or everybody looked super huge and it took i i played with that for so long 
just to get it to like roughly one inch squares. And uh, that's when I realized I was like, you know what? It took me like 30 minutes of messing around with this map to to get your characters <laughs> to fit on it. I don't want to do this. <laughs> Not even a little. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's it's interesting because. I, th- there's there's some people I see that play with with projectors, and I always saw there were a couple of of challenges with that. Um, one is you have to have the the room lighting needs to be appropriate so that you can see what's being projected down the table, which normally isn't bad. We're not usually playing in something that's lit by fluorescent lights all over the place. Um, but two, you you have to have a, a mount that faces down at your table somehow. Which means that if you need to move your your table from place to place for some reason, um, you can't do that unless you're going to go and install a mount everywhere you go. I'm sure that uh, people would love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you've got the making sure it's the right right distance so that the squares are right, and then the shadows when people are reaching over. There were a lot of reasons that that uh, I saw with with projectors that was just like this just won't work for me. Um, so we went the TV route. And luckily, when I was looking, I found a cheap TV on uh, on Facebook, Facebook Marketplace. And um, the plexiglass uh, on the original table is actually more expensive than the TV. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, that works out. So with with you being able to use like Arc and Forge, you said that you have your own like GM screen. Yep. And so the players can't see that. So... Like if you have to like alt tab out or Google search anything that doesn't like freeze up the no like it's, um, and it's in still fact fine on the table yeah in fact I do um, I will have on uh, I'll, I'll have things on the background that are not battle maps so um, I do I uh, do world maps with a with a tool called uh, Wonder Draft the same people that make uh, Dungeon Draft. Um, and so I'll, I'll make my world maps in that, but I'll just save them as an image and have them loaded in a, just an image display program. Um, but I'll also do uh, do clues and stuff like that. And I, I use another tool called Flowscapes to make um, uh, they're like uh, scene images. So like you can you can drag in a bunch of assets to make like a cabin in the woods kind of thing. So if you want to, if I want to just set the scene for something I'll have those loaded in an image viewer in the background and I'll just alt tab to them and drag them onto the screen so they can see them and, and understand like, Hey, I'm not in battle. Here's something to look at. (laughs) (laughs) I saw, I saw one person who uploaded a loading screen. Like they had like a medieval themed just, and it just was like loading. That's all it said. (laughs) (laughs) If if that's, uh, if that's what, what, uh, it, works with your players then yeah by all means do it i do like the idea of doing clues though so like can how have you used it to like do clues like do you just write a clue up there and then it's just like writing on the screen or have you used some like really neat ways to to interact with your players and like the visual tabletop um so it it depends so i i in some early episodes of the show, I talked about how I like to I like to use props and stuff like that. So if I if I have the opportunity to, I will have a physical prop to hand the players. And and so in that case, the TV is not necessarily going to be used. But if there's something that doesn't really benefit from that tactile thing, like there's something on the wall that they need to see and maybe interpret something from, I'll I'll, I'll kind of have an image that 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 it might be a puzzle. 
um, that displays on the TV and and that way I can describe it and have the have the image kind of add more context to it so that there's there's less uh, ambiguity on on what I'm saying uh, because as a as a character they're looking at this thing so if, if my words are not describing it well enough first off that's on me but if they're not interpreting it well enough um, their character is seeing this thing so it's it's a it's a disconnect between words and vision type thing so I'll, I'll do something like that I'll do notes um, but again sometimes I like to do if I again have time I will do all the like age paper crap and stuff like that to make the notes. So <laughs> it, it it really depends. It partially depends on how much time I have to make the the clues and stuff as to what gets displayed on the TV versus what gets handed over. Have you ever finished running a session of your favorite role-playing game and thought to yourself, I'm not really sure I ran that the right way? Or maybe... You just tried out something new in your game and it worked really well and you want everybody to know about it. If so, you may have the perfect idea for a future episode of Becoming DM. Point your browser to becomingdm.com ideas and fill out our simple form to tell us all about it. You can even let us know that you'd like to be a guest co-host for the topic. Submitting your ideas helps John and Danielle relieve pressure on their brains so they can record more episodes. Go to becomingdm.com slash ideas today to submit your episode idea. Now let's get back to the show. Is like with regards to time. So I noticed that there's, there's like a significant time difference that's required for me to set up maps Mm -hmm. um, between using my in table, you know, draw on maps and, uh, and like roll 20. Cause when I started doing roll 20, uh, there's like a significant more significant increase in how much work it takes to kind of set it up. So when you're using this virtual tabletop, like let's say that you didn't just find a, a Google map or something. Mm-hmm. Um, are you basically looking at the same amount of time to set up the maps as you would with roll 20? Like I'm assuming yes. It, it will be similar. Yeah. Because you're still drawing digital maps and stuff like that. So what what I typically try to do is I have a um, a backlog of maps and and I try to put them in a folder structure and categorize them. So because the the big thing with digital maps is is that you can't just wait for the random roadside encounter and be like, oh, let me draw the map. Um, now you can draw like basic shapes like you would on a on a whiteboard with that if you want to, and. It doesn't take terribly long. Um, it's it's not. I would say it, it doesn't take much longer than drawing it on on a whiteboard. Um, but what I prefer to do is I I have a, a backlog of maps so that if they have this encounter that I didn't expect, I can do a very quick search and load it up and and we're ready to go. Um, and then based upon like where we're at geographically, I'll just have some that are ready. Um, so I don't even have to search. I'll just be like, oh, this one looks good for this and drag it in. So, okay. uh, but, but, but the, the creation of those maps, um, if you want them to look, look even, even partially decent, it does take time. I, I I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna kid. It, it does take time to get that done. So, um, 
if you're looking at this as a time-saving mechanism, it's really, <laughs> it's really not going to. It it, <laughs> it adds an additional layer of of immersion for the players because you've got these nice graphics on the table, and with uh, with like Arkenforge, you can have animated maps. So when you drag in torchlight, the torch flickers and stuff like that. Um, so there's a lot of things that you can do with it, but it's not going to save you time. Okay. And that so you've you've used roll twenty before, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I currently I, I, I kind of assume everybody answers yes now after quarantine. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 still running my <laughs> Pathfinder game on on uh, roll twenty because I moved, another player moved, so we've got people in three different states at this point. Okay. So with and I don't know if this is the same with, with Ark and Forge, but um with roll twenty you can there's that awesome thing called the dynamic lighting. Mm-hmm. which I love. It's my favorite thing in the world. I'm assuming then that Ark and Forge probably has something similar. So I, I will say yes and no, uh, in that you're not putting physical, you're not putting digital tokens on there. So it's not going to update the oh, view right. of that token. Um, however, if you have, um, you can set up border, borders and boundaries uh, when you build your map, just like you can in Roll20. And so if you have light in one room and you don't have light in another, it will, uh, through the doorway, it, when you have the door open, it will show light in there, like the the angle of light that you're getting from there based upon the intensity of the light and stuff like that. So it has, uh, I don't know if I would call it dynamic lighting, but it has interactive lighting, I guess. Um, yeah. But it, it, it's I, not going to be dynamic. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, you're using physical minis, so yeah. obviously it would have no idea. <laughs> Yeah, that this dude is moving through the dungeon. Yeah, so as you as you reveal um, fog of war, it's really you as the dungeon master saying, "Here's where you can see fog of war. Uh, here's where you can see outside of the fog of war, or whatever." Okay, okay, yeah, because it's I I found that I could do a lot of unique things uh, mm-hmm. digitally, being able to use, and that's that's kind of why I'm interested about doing the table thing is because I've noticed that it's very different play styles between just using pen and paper versus using Roll20. And I'm kind of picturing now that, that using this <clears throat> this TV tabletop idea um, as kind of like a marrying of the two, where you don't get all of the benefits, say, like with the super-duper dynamic lighting um, and, I don't know, the light workload of table setup, however you want to look at the positives, but it, it kind of is marrying the two. Like, is that kind of how you're finding it? Yeah, it's, it's, I think that it's good for players that still want to have their physical mini, because there's a lot of players out there that want to paint their mini and stuff like that. And so having a, having a digital token is not going to be as exciting. Um, but it, but it, it, and it still gives you that digital map experience, but there are some functionalities just because you're not using those tokens. It just, they're, they're not going to translate well. Um, I know that when Arkenforge initially came out, they were trying to do like this touch-based system where you could still use your physical tokens and it would, would track where you are based upon like this grid system that you could do. I don't know if anything ever came of that, but I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, didn't... Uh, didn't really see anything else from there, so. No, it'll probably come around sometime. There's there's been a lot of advancements in a lot of different areas. Yeah. Um. So then, my next question is: is what have you found 
like what what's I guess what's your biggest plus to adding the table to or sorry the TV to the table? You know, it, it's interesting. Before I played with this table, um, all of my games were run theater of the mind. Like I had never done a map with minis. Period. And wow. <laughs> and and the reason that that I decided to make the table was. I was getting ready to to start a new game with new people. And I was like, well, hey, this would be a really cool over-the-top thing to have. And I I suck at drawing. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, rather than drawing uh, oblong-looking uh, weird rectangles on on uh, dry erase board, it's like, hey, maybe I can do this digitally and, and have it work out. So um, just I, I think first off, if you have zero artistic talent and can't draw a straight line to save your life, even with a grid b- below you, um, this mm-hmm. is actually a good way to to uh, overcome that because the tools that are available there, you can do point to point and it will draw the straight line for you. All good. Um, you can have different types of assets so that it looks like a wall in a medieval tavern and, and it looks like hardwood floors or it looks like dirt and rocks and whatever else. Um, I think that that for me was the big thing is like, overcoming my lack of artistic ability to to have something that I feel good with presenting the players. No, that's fair. Have you have you found something with using the the TV table um that it just doesn't work good for? Um like I said, those those real quick ad hoc uh things and and what sometimes I have done is just had a put a grid up like if if we're fighting in a field and there's no obstacles, which uh, admittedly does not happen a whole lot in my game, then I'll just throw up a gray grid and say, "Hey, everybody's there. Let's go." Um, <laughs> but it's really those those very quick ad hoc where you had no planning and you didn't and you didn't get like a backlog of maps that you haven't used. Um, those can be those can be a little bit more challenging. Now, no, that's. If yeah. you really want to do that, you can have kind of as a backup that just gets laid on top of the table, your your uh, dry erase um, grid map that you can draw all the stuff on if you want. I guess, yeah, if you get into a pinch. <laughs> yep. Have you ever, have you ever like built up on the table, like to make like a 3D map? Uh, yeah, sometimes I'll do um, like... 3D printed uh, terrain or buildings, especially if if there is a if there is like a 3D component to it, where where there's there's levels of of people that are shooting down at the party and stuff like that. So I'll, I'll build that up because um, I will say that's while you can build levels within Roll Twenty and switch between them and stuff like that, it it doesn't um, necessarily translate as well um, in the in the kind of two dimensional framework and and i'm sure you've probably seen that with roll 20 as well as if you wanted to have multiple levels within your within your game map it's a little bit more difficult to do yeah it was i did it a couple times and uh, the way i only ever figured out one way to do it <laughs> it was a nightmare and did not work smoothly so i will not be providing advice on that topic <laughs> <laughs> i mean what i what i've typically done with that is is i will build it with the levels so like if if there's somebody on the roof or something like that i'll build the 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 first floor and then i'll build the roof floor and i'll just have the roof display with them on the roof because typically they're outside if they're getting ambushed from the roof of a building 
And if they go in the building, then I'll just go down to that level so they can see what's in the building. And, and obviously when they're in the building, they don't see the person on top of the roof anyway. So that's that's okay. Yeah, and then that's that's fine. But yeah, it's it's one of those you, you have to figure out a way to work around or you have to use some physical uh, assets to kind of highlight what that uh, what that difference is. I do like the idea of using like the physical assets because I feel like that would just like with the TV and like yep. the backlighting to the whole thing, I feel like it would just be like super punchy. Yep. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a, I don't have a ton of that stuff. Um, but it is something that, that, that I've used a couple of times and, and it's been, it's been fun. Yeah, for sure. Have you, did you run into like any sort of struggles when you were trying, like initially trying to set it up? I would say, I mean, I, I, from a, from a technical perspective, not really, but I'm, I'm fairly technically minded guy. It's what I do for a job. So that, that part wasn't, wasn't hard. Um, there was a update I applied to the software one time that just caused several problems that has since been fixed, but, uh, don't update your software right before a game. I will say, I will say that, um, uh, even if it works well, sometimes it will take a little bit longer than, than expected or or maybe something operates differently because of added functionality and you don't want to have to be learning it in front of your in front of your players. So that I will say like from a software perspective, just use your brain and don't uh, don't make any major changes right before you have to run a game. <laughs> no, I could see that definitely causing uh, an issue or two. Yeah. So have your players in general been pretty receptive to – actually, no. I'm assuming that most players are pretty receptive to brighter colors and fancier <laughs> things. <laughs> so, But have you had any players who um, kind of like didn't like the TV thing? If I did, they didn't mention it. Uh, most of them like have really positive things to say. Uh, <laughs> the first time I used it, we, we were the, – the, it was my first game with this group of players and they were exploring this tower – and they saw the flickering torches and they're like, and there was just one player that just was so fixated. Oh, that is so cool. I, I, the, <laughs> I just, and like we got sidetracked for five minutes on the flickering torches. <laughs> um, as far as people that, that are, are not into it, I would say if they were not into it, it was probably for the same reasons that they were not into um, combat. Uh, maybe it wasn't necessarily because of the maps. It was more because they were, were less into combat and more into role playing or puzzles or whatever. I guess. Yeah. Cause you'd probably use the TV obviously a fair amount more during combat. Yeah. Yeah. So in like in between combat, I usually tried to show like a regional map just so people understand where they're at. Or like I said, one of those um, scene images to kind of like, Hey, look! You're in this town. Here's what this town looks like, kind of thing. But you're 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 like inside the town, so this is not what you're seeing right now. <laughs> oh, so TV? Some TVs come with speakers. Do you ever use those speakers? Like, does your TV have speakers? Yeah, my TV has speakers, and I have used them. Um, Ark and Forge has a way to create soundscapes, and it it comes with some prepackaged music that you can use, but you can also add in your own music to it. Um, so it it, it it plays music. It has sound effects that go on top of it. So if you're in like a tavern, you can have like crowd noise on top of the music. Um, if you're in like a stable, it has horse sounds and stuff like that. So there's there's some cool things you can do with it to um, just add that additional layer of of uh, of uh, of uh, 
I've lost the term. <laughs> immersion. <laughs> yes, thank yeah. you. Um, that additional <laughs> layer of immersion um, just by adding, like, even beyond just music, but, like, the sound effects, too, were, were kind of interesting. And, and I didn't – and they come prepackaged, like – you can split them out and select, I only want these and I want to take these out and stuff like that. But if you just hit play on one of the soundscapes, it'll play it all. And you'll be sitting there going, wait, was that a horse? If you don't know what, what you're what you're doing and, and you haven't ever used it before, which is what happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> There's a horse in the dungeon. Ha ha. Um, that's really cool. I really like the idea that, that like the sound the sounds and the like the ambiance that you kind of want to go with the map at that point in time can physically emanate from the map itself because there's speakers on the TV. Yep. Now bear in mind the speakers, um, depending upon how you have the TV set up, they could be under it or they could be under a part of the table or under a piece of plexiglass. So again, as with anything, test it all out before you, you actually start to, to have it in front of your players to make sure that, oh, maybe I need to turn up the volume because this is a lot quieter than I expected it to be, stuff like that. I guess it'd be kind of weird, kind of like mid-game when you're like, oh, nobody can hear the horse. And you just like <laughs> reach over the map with a remote control and just volume up. <laughs> yeah, and, and like the way, that, the way that the table I have set up now is all of the bezels are covered by the tabletop edges. So it really is just screen and then table. Um, so you really have to get the remote in there in the right, uh, like the oh, corners, the... like shoved, shoved right next to the to table edge and hit the <laughs> button so it receives it. <laughs> oh, there you go. So what, uh, what, what would you consider is the best piece of advice that you could give to someone who is looking at maybe switching to a TV in their table? Um, Try it out first. So, so um, Ark and Forge has a like a thirty day free trial where you have access to all of the stuff that you can, that that all of the features that it comes with. So, I would I would download it. I would I mean even if you don't have a table. In fact, I would do this even before you got a table. Don't be like me. Uh, <laughs> um, just hook it up to the t- t- TV in your living room. And and play around with it and make sure that the the flow is what you are hoping to get from your games, because it is a different way of running the game. Um, So it's 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 I I enjoy it and I think it's it's a cool addition. But there are going to be some people that are just like, yeah, this is too much technology. I I, I, I'm out. Um, And if you try it out before you buy it, you know that before you get into it and, and you're not spending I mean, Ark and Forge, I think it was $30 when I bought it. So it's it's not like it's a ton of money, but it's $30 that, that maybe you you wouldn't have spent if you tried it out first. Yeah, definitely. No, it sounds it sounds really cool. It's a lot of fun. And and like I said, there's a lot of ways to build the tables. So if you if you go the route that I did, I I basically built mine using two by fours and uh it was a, a fairly easy to build thing. Um, I'm moderately handy. I wouldn't call myself super handy. And I was able to, to get it built on my own with a, basically a circular saw and a drill and some, some bolts and stuff. So, um, it, it, it's, uh, it's not hard to build. There are some people that will buy pre-built tables. And as long as you don't have mechanisms going like to install, to have a, uh, uh, a, uh, insert for your table in there 
you can cut a hole in the middle of it and, and build it like that, but then you have to build in the, the bottom, the part to hold the TV. But there's a lot of ways to oh. do it. It just depends on what works for you. Oh, awesome. Do you have anything else? I probably do. All right. But I won't think of them <laughs> until later. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, if you are thinking about building a TV, um, it's a lot, or TV table, it's a lot of fun. I, I found the build process to be a lot of fun. And, and, and like I said, I upgraded my TV recently to give myself more table, like table space that wasn't TV. And uh, even doing that was fun. I spent some time staining the stuff so it looked like an actual piece of furniture rather than just like somebody slapped some two by fours together. The the players appreciate it. It's it's something that that they enjoy when they play at it. And there's lots of things you can do. I I, I will admit mine is fairly basic. It's a tabletop. It's a TV. Um, it it all fits together well. But I've seen people that have added things like um, cup holders and dice rolling trays and stuff like that um, to it. So it's kind of the sky's the limit, uh, just depending upon what you can imagine and build. Yeah, and uh, and your abilities, yeah, to build it. <laughs> um, I've seen so many things that you can add to these tables. Um, and like you said, the sky's the limit. And basically, as long as it works for you and it works for your party and everybody's kind of on board, why not? Yep. I, I will uh, caution on the uh, on the cup holders though. Just remind, just remember, if you have people with drinks at the table, if they spill that ta- spill that drink and it goes on top of your TV, um, you're going to be getting a new TV. <laughs> yep, that would do it. Now I have I have drinks at my table. It hasn't been a problem. I have everybody have a, a koozie and and that seems to help some. I don't know why, but. Um, Maybe just the larger surface area for the bottom of the the bottle, or the softer hitting spot where they they touch. I believe the I believe the scientific term is tipability. There you go. The tipability. So <laughs> I I've done I haven't had a problem, but uh, but your results may vary. So just just uh, keep that in mind before you have people uh, with food and drink at the table. Yeah, definitely. Don't want to be buying a new TV every other week. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, unless you have anything else, I think that's probably it, right? I think we should be good. All right. Well, uh, enjoy building your TVs, and we will see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you later. Um, Until then, stay nerdy, friends. Stay nerdy, friends. Thanks for joining us again. Make sure to share the show with friends to help grow our audience. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash becomingdm. On Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest, we are Becoming DM. And our website is becomingdm.com. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Danielle Tremblay. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then.